0: Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC light heavyweight champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Siagua, was the pitbull. Hey,
1: what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Muyas. This is Mike Brown. Hi, guys. I am Alexey Alenik.
0: And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We want, want Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. So We Want Picks. So we Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi,
1: everybody.
0: My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jacob and I are going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 56 fight card. We're going to give you our picks, we're going to give you our bets, and we're going to give you our fantasy plays. And if you want 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit and we send you $50 as a thank you. All you need to do, wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. And this is brought to you by Earn You. Earn You is the world's first sports and eSports prediction game allowing you to earn crypto risk free check it out now at earn Jacob we're back two week break or one week break I guess two weeks since we've done this I'm ready 14 fights it's kind of rough two
1: two week go. break I'm uh I'm still single so all you all you females out there ages 20 to 60 if you're looking for somebody for the summer uh my name's Jacob hit me up on Instagram we're feeling good looking good <laughs> I mean looking good looking
0: good all right. I'm ready well all I'm class. loose
1: and I'm ready here we go
0: as usual, all class. So here we go. First up at UFC Vegas 56, we have Aaron Blanchfield taking on JJ Aldrich. Aaron Blanchfield is 8 and 1 overall. She's 5 0 oh in her last five, and she's coming off that great win over Miranda Maverick. JJ Aldrich is 11 and 4 overall. She's 4 and 1 in her last five, and she's riding a nice three fight win streak and aaron blanchfield is a nasty grappler and she showed people just how good her wrestling can be as well in her last fight she also has solid striking but that is never her path to victory using her wrestling to get on top work her grappling and just control from there is always her path to victory aaron's still young she's still cleaning things up but she's improving quickly and honestly by this time next year she could be a contender at this weight class and JJ Aldrich is a decision machine. She's a decision striker or a decent striker with good takedowns, really good top pressure if she does, you know, she's able to get there. She fights well within her skill set, though, and she doesn't really take any risks. And that's why she has so many decisions. And she's primarily a striker, but she does have a negative striking differential, meaning she gets hit more than she hits other people, even though striking is her path to victory. But she does rely on her volume, just constant forward pressure, constant volume to get it done. And the most interesting thing about this fight, and maybe it's not super interesting, but for some reason in my head, like J.J. Aldrich has been around forever, had a ton of fights, is sort of a veteran at this point. And then I'm doing the graphics, I'm doing the research. I'm like, yeah, that's right. She has 15 fights. Like she really is not that experienced, hasn't been around that long. In my head, she had about 30 and I was factoring that in. And then once I start digging in, it's like, no, there's... There's not really a big experience gap between these two. Obviously, J.J.'s had more UFC-level opponents than Aaron Blanchfield has, but I don't think it's going to matter much. I think the skill set is too wide of a gap for that to even be a factor. So I was really impressed impressed, Mm. impressed with Blanchfield. Let's clean it up. Two weeks off. Let's clean it up. It's a a mess. Um, I was impressed with Erin uh, Blanchfield's last fight, her composure, her ability to just stick to a game plan. She just kept taking down Miranda, would control Miranda. I think it's more the same here. I think Erin Blanchfield absolutely dominates. And before I go to you, Jakey boy, a Moneyline bet makes no sense at these odds right now, especially in women's MMA. What I do think might work here is you guys always hear us talk about the plus three and a half bet where you buy around. Right, and and all your all the person you're betting on needs to do is win a round on their own. There's also a minus three and a half bet, where you're positive somebody's going to win at least a 27, not give up a single round. I think Aaron Blanchfield. I I think that's what we have here. I don't think Aaron Blanchfield is going to give up a round. So we'll see what those odds are, but I might do a minus three and a half, and all I'll need Aaron Blanchfield to do is win by you know win inside the distance. Or win a decision that's 30-27. And and honestly, I don't think that's insane. What do you think? Oh, and if you want that bet, you're only going to get it at weonpix.com slash bets. We have five partners. BetOnline is the one and only partner that does those buy around or sell around bets. What do you
1: think? For God's sake, sign up. Use our code. Get your your free money. Uh, JJ actually has a path to victory in this fight, and that is with pressure. Unfortunately, she is not one of those pressure-volume strikers. She kind of just sits back. She's a very good striker, but she does kind of sit back at times, and that's why she is such a decision machine. And Aaron, Bl- Aaron Blanchfield, the way that she dominated Miranda M- Maverick was absolutely impressive. The-, the thing that she had going for in that fight was I don't think anyone expected her to use the grappling as well as she did. So Marina Maverick, you could tell, was kind of thrown off with the grappling, with the wrestling, and the pressure in that right. J.J. Aldridge is going to know what to expect in this fight, right? She's going to know that the the, the, t- the takedowns, the shots are coming. And if you watch J.J., she has some pretty good sprawls. They're not the best. She doesn't have the best takedown defense, but she has pretty good takedown defense. So if you can pressure Erin, put her on her back foot to, to get those, uh, those, those shots to be a little bit more telegraphed, get your sprawls. Eek your way to a decision. She could, you know, maybe win this fight. But, I mean, the play for this fight, um, with her last performance especially, was so, so impressive against somebody that is a better fighter than J.J. Aldridge. I mean, all around. Miranda Mavic is, is a better fighter. Uh, that surprised everyone. It surprised me 100%. So, Aaron Blanchfield is, is the play in this fight. She's probably going to be able to get the takedowns and control J.J. Um, so, I mean, but I, I do like that minus 3.5 bet that you're playing. Or
0: that you yeah, I'm right. pretty... I don't see her giving up a round or, or actually the other way around. I don't see JJ being able to take a round. So, I mean, you're going to follow that bet or are you thinking of something else for yourself?
1: No, I'm not. I wouldn't bet anything that you would bet,
0: to be honest with you. <laughs> okay, well then. Not at the last few weeks, you know. Enjoy looking for bridge loans. Um, DraftKings-wise, though, Aaron Blanchfield, $9,600. That's a ton of money. That's like stoppage-type money. This is... So I imagine she's going to score pretty well because she will get takedowns. She will get control. I don't know if she's going to get a submission win here. If you think she'll get a submission win in the first or second round, then yes, she's worth 9600 bucks in DraftKings. If not, which and I don't think she does, I don't know if she's worth it. She'll get takedowns. She'll get control. But $9,600, you, you got to spend, or you, you, I don't know. She's got to earn, what, 150 points to make that worth it? 120, 130? What do you think? I mean, maybe she is. Uh,
1: she, it. I mean, she's gonna be in my lineup. I, last I think, time. if I remember
0: right, she was she was threatening
1: Miranda a few times. I think at the end of the second or third round, she had an arm bar, Like, I mean, Miranda was like holding on for dear life. Like, please God, don't take my arm. Um, she's nasty, man. And to, to the fact that she's only twenty three years old is insane. She is going to be a problem. Um, yeah, she's gonna be in my draftings lineup, one hundred percent.
0: Well, as long as she she's got to improve the striking because eventually. But does she? Yeah, because you're not going to be able to take everybody down. I know. And women's Somebody's MMA, if you're if you're if you're
1: an if you're, an, uh, if you're a over the top wrestler in MMA, women's MMA, I I don't know if you need to approve the striking. There's just such a wide gap that when people, I don't know. There's just not a lot of women's wrestlers, and if you can be one of those wrestlers, I I don't know if she needs to
0: honestly. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe she will be worth that 9,600 bucks strike line, though. I, I think it's going to be less less frankly 95 is a lot and I understand Aaron Blanchfield is going to spend a lot of time on top but she does look for submissions instead of pounding away so I don't think she'll get to after you know past 95 strikes and JJ Aldrich is going to be on her back and defending takedowns so I don't think she's gonna get past 62 what do you think
1: uh one second Jester said Blanchfield trying to show some skin lately on insta so I don't know what you were saying I got I got
0: some research to do Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, um, you guys want to bet on that strike line? Go to weontpicks.com slash MKF. Monkey Knife Fight is daily fantasy. All you need to do is bet the more or less on a strike line, and you can triple your money. Stop creeping. We're moving on to the next fight, Jacob. Oh, there we go. Next up, at UFC Vegas 56, we have Andreas Michalitis or... People like to... Well, let me get through this. Andreas Mikhailaitis.
1: isn't it?
0: Versus Renat Fakretinov. What was that? A lot of you came into the comment section a couple months ago when we had 13 Russians on the card. Trying to correct how I pronounce these names. And I totally understand. I'm definitely doing it wrong. And I said, go to the Discord and do the pronunciations there. And then I'll... That's how I'll do it. Nobody did that. And then without fail, I got 10,000 comments on my QuickPix video... That I pronounce all these names wrong? It is what it is, guys. I'm doing my best. There's 29 consonants in there and three vowels. It's just, that's just what's going to happen. But Andreas is 13 and five. Three and two in his last five. And he's coming off that loss to Alex Pajeda. Renat, Hinat, Reno. He's 20 and two overall. He's on a 14 fight win streak. And he is making his official UFC debut. And Andreas Michilitis is a decent striker who likes to come forward and grind. He will work his way inside with big looping overhands and then try to drag you down to the mat. Everything he does has a lot of power, but they do come from really far away, which just leaves openings that can be exploited. He's coming off that loss to Alex Bejeda where he was able to take Alex down, but he couldn't hold him down. And then Renat, insert last name here, is making his UFC debut after an impressive performance. On Dana White's looking for a fight. He's a wrestler. He's got heavy hands and a willingness to strike. He's constantly pressuring forward, throwing big one-twos, and then just bending over, grabbing your legs and working a takedown. And and the takedowns are interesting. So obviously I'm a lifelong wrestler or close to it. And as a coach, if one of my kids bends over, just bends over at the waist and tries to pick up a leg, you scream at him. That's not how you do oh, it. Oh yeah, you can't
1: you, you can't do that.
0: Okay. That's not how you do it. You're doing it wrong. Renat, that's exactly how he does it in these fights. And he's incredibly successful with it, incredibly successful with it. And if anything, it seems to be preventing him from getting stuck underneath somebody. He's bending over, grabbing, picking up instead of taking a shot, getting stuck on his knees. So either way, the technique is wrong if you're looking at wrestling. But for him, in MMA, it is working and it's working flawlessly. Uh, He's taking people down pretty much no problem And when he gets on top, he's just pounding away and he's looking to TKO people more than for a submission. And Renat's got 20 wins, 15 of them are stoppages. But if you look a little closer, you'll see that 14 of those are against guys with losing records or fewer than five fights. With that being said, he is coming off a win over a UFC vet and his last three fights were against appropriate levels of competition. So this is the second fight in a row that Andreas Mikolaitis is being used by the UFC to showcase the talent of a hype prospect. And unfortunately, I think it's going to work for the UFC again. I see Andreas coming forward with the big shots. Might try to get his own takedown, but Renat's the better wrestler. He's probably got equal power. He's going to be able to get Andreas down, pound away. So I like Renat to win here. These minus 275 odds, uh, you know, he is a UFC debut, and and Mikulaitis does have some very real power in his hand. so I'll probably stay away from a bet here, but... I do think Renat gets this done. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Renat, I think, is the real deal, especially in the wrestling and the grappling. But you guys got to be careful with this. I, I think the odds are a little bit wide. Andreas is a very underrated grappler. And if this goes to the ground, he can, he's a little slick down there at, at times and knows what he's doing down there. So Renat, UFC debut, if he gets over aggressive. Bad things can happen. So if you're putting it, we're not in parlay pieces because you've seen all the highlights, because the highlights are fantastic, right? I mean, who uh, was a, a Mr. Savage basically said his competition has been great, but he does what he's supposed to do against bad competition. That has just absolutely destroyed them. This is going to be a tough test for him, I think. I, I think this is going to be a drag out two, three rounds where he is struggling to get some takedowns. And on the ground, he's struggling to keep Andreas on the ground. And as you mentioned as well, if he can't get those takedowns, Andreas will throw bombs, man. He had that uh, that that fight against uh, 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 Modessus that he lost because Bukeskis. they opened up the cage and, and he and he fell back. Um, you mentioned against P- uh, K- KB Buller, that was a fight that he won, but KB Buller was like not really on the competition, so that kind of t- takes a step back for him. Against P- Pajeda, he looked better, so we'll see what kind of uh, uh, Andreas shows up in this fight. I think he's an underrated grappler, so this goes to the ground, he has a, uh, a chance to survive and maybe get some weird submission. But I, I think the plays were not. Um, all the way he I think he is the real deal and he's probably going to show that but I'd be careful with those odds I'd be careful
0: yeah I mean they are tricky but DraftKings heavy favorite here $9,200 he's another guy he may be worth it he could potentially get a stoppage here we just watched Michaelaitis get stopped he can get the takedowns which are five points each control time so he could potentially be worth it in DraftKings I don't think Michaelaitis is a very live underdog but not thinking somebody's a live underdog and also not trusting the favorite are two very different things, right? So, both of those things are happening for me right now. I think we're not a win, not enough to put my money on them, and I don't think Andreas is a live underdog. If that makes any sense, the Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line: thirty-four for Nikolaitis, fifty-nine for Anat. What do you think about that Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line?
1: I think this could be a lot longer than people think. I think this could be a more and more play because both these guys, even if not, will. He, I know he's like the wrestler and the grappler, but he will throw bombs and he will exchange. Um, I would probably play them more and more.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, you know. I, I think this fight probably will go a little bit, or at least um, you know, past thirty-four strikes and fast, past fifty-nine strikes. If you guys want to play that, we on picks.com slash MKF. You can triple your money. They will match your deposit, and if you want fifty. Free dollars, we want slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks as a thank you. <clears throat> Next up at UFC Vegas 56. We have Jeff Molina taking on Zalgas Zumagulov. Jeff Molina is 10 and 2 overall, 5-0 in his last five, and he's coming off a nice TKO win over Daniel Da Silva. Zalgas Zumagulov is 14 and 6 overall, two and three. In his last five, he's coming off that knockout loss to Manel Kopp. And Jeff Molina is a really good striker who has no problem getting into a war. He uses kicks really well for range and to engage. He'll work his opponent's legs, he'll work their bodies, and that's all just to slow them down. And he does a really good job wearing his opponents out and making sure that they'll have issues later in the fight. He has a ton of volume and he's always working forward. He does have power, but not necessarily like one punch get slept power. He has the type of power that'll wear you down as the fight goes on and you start to feel it. Zuma Zumagulov, he's is very tough. He's got solid power himself. He's very good wrestler. His goal is always to just throw big looping punches, get you to react to that so that he can work in a takedown. And the stats are, are I don't want to say deceiving, but they're a little bit deceiving because while he does average more than one takedown per fight, his last fight, he almost averaged two. He only has a 20% takedown accuracy, but if you watch him fight, and I've mentioned this before, he is a chain wrestler, so he'll take a shot, he's not gonna get it, he'll transition to the second, transition to the third, transition to the fourth, get that, and then now he's at 20% accuracy, even though he is a very good wrestler, and these takedowns do add up throughout the fight. And it's an interesting fight, because I, I tend to lean towards wrestlers in these type of matchups, right? Zalgas, tough wrestler. Jeff Molina, he's a striker who uses a lot of kicks, that's tailor-made for a wrestler, but Zaugas can be chinny, and I've, we've seen Molina get taken down five times in three fights. But he wins. He wins those fights even though that happened. So I'm going to lean Molina here because in two of those three fights where he was taken down multiple times, he was able to keep the pressure, work in his control, take care of the striking, and he won those fights. And he won them by decision. It's not like he was getting taken down, losing, 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 and relied on a big punch he still managed to pull off decisions even though he was taken down two three times in a fight i think that's more the same here but i do think he needs to be careful he loves kicks and this is just not the type of guy you want to be throwing kicks out there or if you're going to throw a kick it's got to start a combination it can't end one because then it'll be left hanging there and somebody will snatch it up jakey boy what do you think
1: yeah, I don't think the, the takedowns are going to be a huge, huge issue for Jeff Molina. He's a guy that—I'm a big Jeff Molina guy. He's so composed inside the And When he gets taken down, he knows to get back to his feet. He doesn't mess around. He gets to the cage. He tries to get back to his feet. There's no pulling guard. There's no weird stuff. Let me get back to my feet because I know I'm a striker, and he's very, very good at that. And that's why he wins those decisions, even though he's getting taken down, because he gets back to his feet. You mentioned the, the lack of kind of one-punch power. I actually love the fact that he doesn't use his power until he really needs to. He will sit down on a punch, but he's not one of those guys that's just thrown wild all the time because those guys get in trouble and they get tired. He's a guy that, as you mentioned, there's volume. Boom, 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 boom. But when it's time to sit down, when he gets his timing and he sees those op- op- he sees those openings, op- he will, openings. He <laughs> will uh, sit down like on a English. punch and he will hurt people. And his chin is great in that right. You saw that against that Key Lang fight. He got cracked a bunch. And he's willing to exchange. And his chin is held up to this point. We'll see if Zalgus can kind of catch him. Because he hasn't been knocked out yet. But, you know. This will be a good test for Jeff Molina's chin if it comes to um, some big exchanges because saw that with Zalgus and the Manel Cop fight, he was cracking Manel Cop. It, it seems like Manel Cop is a guy that is always losing the fight and then finds out and also wins the fight against Oday. We, Oday's on this card. We'll mention that as well. Oday was also beating Manel Cop, and then Manel Manel Cop's finds the finish. Um, same with Zalgus. Zalgus was lighting that dude up. Um, and and we'll see if he can light up Jeff Molina in that same way. Maybe he can get those takedowns. I don't think the takedowns are going to be an issue. I'm a Jeff Molina guy all the way. I love his composure. I love the way he fights. I think that you mentioned the kicks. I think the leg kicks are going to be a big issue for Zalgus Zog- in this fight. If Jeff Molina can light up that front leg, those takedowns are going to be even harder to get. Uh, I would I would attack that front leg early. Use your volume. Use your experience. It might be a decision win, but you know it's going to be a win for Jeff Molina.
0: Yeah, I I do think Zalgas is one of the more live guys on this card as far as underdogs are concerned. Very clear path for him to win this fight. Shoot takedowns, tons of control. But again, I I don't see him winning, but listen, when we're talking underdogs, he is one of the more live underdogs. $9,000 from Jeff Molina, definitely a no. I'm definitely not going to do it. I don't see him stopping Zalgas. If he does, maybe it's late. We just broke down two fighters before this that could potentially score way higher than Jeff Molina. And again, I think Zalgas is pretty live. You seem to agree with that, even though we're both picking Jeff Molina here?
1: Uh, No, I don't think he's very live at all, honestly.
0: Okay, but you did thumbs down to Jeff Molina not being worth $9,000. No, I
1: was thumbing down to you saying he was live. I still wouldn't play. I wouldn't play Jeff Molina, no. Oh,
0: okay. Um, And the Monkey Knife by Strike Line, this is one of the few that I'm going to stay away from. Uh, Realistically, this is a very good line. Jeff Molina could absolutely... Land that many strikes. Algas swinging at air. Jeff Molina lighting them up, circling. I, I just, I don't necessarily trust this strike line. So I'm not going to play that. If you do, we slash MKF. And if you want 50 bucks for free, wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. Sign up with any one of them. Make a deposit and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Next up, at UFC Vegas 56, we have grappling Tony Gravely taking on Johnny Munoz Jr. Tony Gravely, 22 and 7 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, and he's coming off a decision win over Simon Oliveira. Johnny Munoz Jr. is 11 and 1. He's 4 and 1 in his last five, and he's coming back after almost a year away from the cage. And Tony Gravely is a wrestler who just loves to come forward with volume and power, and then he just into his re- transitions into his wrestling so that he can work some old school ground and pound. He's very strong, he uses his strength really well for his takedowns and for damage when he gets on top. Tony's big issue is that he gasses out, and he has questionable submission defense. He averages almost seven takedowns per fight, which is just an obscene number. Like that's a ridiculously high number. And there's just no secrets as to what this guy's going to do. Johnny Munoz is a BJJ black belt. He's got decent striking. He's got solid takedowns of his own. He throws everything with 100% effort at all times. But like most BJJ guys, BJJ grapplers, his striking is really just there to set up his, his takedowns and his grappling. He uses both front kicks and side kicks well to manage range and to keep his opponents at distance. But he can be a bit slow or lazy with those kicks, which could lead to takedowns. Sometimes he just kind of tosses them out there, leaves them there for a minute, and that could definitely be a problem against somebody like Tony. With that being said, his grappling is very slick, both on top and off his back. And I love Tony Gravy in this matchup. His wrestling should absolutely be able to get this to the ground. His top pressure is incredible once he gets there. My problem here, or the hesitation here, is that Five of Tony's seven losses are by submission and seven of Munoz's 11 wins are by submission. And I don't normally just pull up topology and go, ooh, he loses by submission, he wins by submission, bing. I don't normally do that. But it is concerning here because this will 100% end up on the ground and Tony Gravely 100% needs to worry about those submissions and he's fallen to that in the past but this could look exactly like Tony's last fight where he just blew through Simon Oliveira with an insane 11 takedowns. He blew through him and Simon's just as good of a grappler or not, be- if not better than Johnny Munoz. He had 11 takedowns in that fight. Or this could look like the Brett Johns fight where he himself was taken down six times and then he was submitted. So Tony Gravely is a kill or be killed type wrestler. If Johnny wants to come forward, shoot his own takedowns, he could have success I don't see it. I see Tony Gravely working the takedowns, getting it done, and I will be biting my nails the entire time to make sure he doesn't get submitted. But I think this is a very close fight. These odds are probably, probably pretty accurate. It's. I, I think this is a pretty close fight. You're biting. You're literally biting your nails. What? What are you? What?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm i going with Johnny. He might end up being Lock of the Week. Um, we got to tune in for a Wednesday the Lock of the Week video. I've, I really haven't made up my mind yet. And and what scares me is, and I keep I keep referencing these fights over and over, but this could be Tracy Cortez-Melissa Gatto, where where Melissa Gatto is just looking for submissions the whole time but gets controlled the whole fight. We saw that again last week. Everyone was so high on Pollyanna-Viana. Oh, Pollyanna-Viana is going to submit Ricci. She's going to submit... And what happened? Ricci just controlled the positions the entire time. It's so hard these days to submit people off your back, and that's why if you're Johnny in this matchup, you can't be the guillotine guy. You can't be the guy that's just trying to pull a guillotine and you end up on your back, and then he's going to control. Because if 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 Tony ends up in in, in, in full guard or half guard, you're going to struggle in those in those positions, right? He's he's very very good at controlling those positions. Obviously, anything could happen. Weird things could happen, maybe an armbar or whatever. But if you're Johnny in this matchup, on, on the on the takedown attempts, try to. Scramble out of those. Try to try to defend the takedowns and scramble and get positions out of that. Don't be the guillotine guy because if you're the guillotine guy, you'll be Melissa Gatto. You'll be Pollyanna Viana. You'll be threatening the entire time, but you're going to lose a decision. I'm a Johnny guy. I like Johnny. I think he's going to pull it off because I don't see him being that guillotine guy. But if he's going to be that guillotine guy and up on his back for three rounds, he could easily, easily lose a decision. So I know a lot of people are very, very high on Johnny. And I warned you guys on Melissa Gatto, even though I picked Melissa. I warned you guys on Pollyanna-Viana when I picked Richie. I'm telling you right now, be careful with Johnny. I'm going to pick him. He might end up being the lock of the week because I think he might pull it off. But this could be one of those situations where he's just on his back, looking for submissions the whole time. And although he's, he's the more threatening guy, the judges will not give you that fight when you're on your back. So I'm going to be with Johnny. I'm going to pick Johnny, but I, I agree with you, Angelo. This could be a, one of those Tony Gravely. Just take him down, control him, you know, and, and win by, uh, win by a, a boring decision. So be careful with Johnny, guys. I understand why you're going to pick him. I'm going to pick him. He might be lock of the week, tune in Wednesday, but I'd be careful.
0: Honestly, the bet here, and you guys know I love this bet. I actually just hit it with Chase Hooper. The bet to place here is wins inside the distance, decision, no action on Johnny Munoz. Because Tony Gravely will win a decision if he wins this fight. It'll be a controlling, defending submission, stay on top decision. That's how Tony Gravely will win this fight. But if Johnny wins this fight, it will be a win. It'll be a stoppage. It'll be a submission. So what that bet means, win inside the distance, decision, no action, is if Johnny Munoz wins inside the distance, you get paid. If there's a decision, you get a refund. The bet never happened. There is no action. You didn't bet. I'm probably going to do that. We'll have to see what the odds are. They're probably not going to be spectacular. But if that's minus 150, something to that effect, I think that's absolutely worth it. So I'll see what those odds are. If you want to check it out, wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five partners. The one and only partner that offers that safety net inside the distance decision no action bet is BetOnline. So go through there, click on that link, sign it up, and we'll send you $50 As a thank you, and as far as DraftKings are concerned, Johnny's not that cheap. $7,800, yes, he's an underdog, but if you like Johnny Munoz to win, the odds are almost even. Plus 115 is almost even money, but $7,800 is, you know, it's less than even. He's not true underdog. He's like real middle of the road as far as DraftKings are concerned. You're going to put him in your lineup?
1: if you if it's a single entry lineup i don't know if i like it uh multi entry i think he's definitely got to be in a multi entry just for the you know the Hail Mary submission but you know as far as like just in a loss if, he's not going to score well in a loss right i think we both agree that if he loses this fight he's not going to score well maybe with a couple sweeps or something like that you know five points five points yeah um, you, you'd it's, be it's a tough him it's tougher to a single stoppage yeah it's a, it's tough for a single entry lineup he he probably is going to be a mine though
0: yeah well and the monkey night fight strike line more more I think because I do think Tony Gravely is going to get on top of a whole bunch and he's an old school ground and pound guy he just starts going at it on top old school ground and pound guy so I think it's going to be more of that um so I, I don't think that's can you know an issue at all for him to get past the 63 but Johnny Munoz 55 that one's tricky but I do think he'll get to it, right? Uh, yeah, and, off his
1: back. I mean, he's, he's very aggressive. Even if he's not working for submissions, I mean, he's going to be throwing elbows and stuff. He's very active in his guard and everything. So those add yeah, up and,
0: and these are not significant strikes. It's literally any strike, pitter-patter, anything counts towards this strike line. So if you want to check that out, you can literally triple your money if you get these correct. WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. If you sign up, they'll instantly match your deposit and you literally just play more or less on these strike lines. So, and we just got a comment from Z Tark saying Johnny Muno's win inside the distance decision no action is plus 110. His betting line, money line is plus 115. So, yeah, for basically the out, exact uh, same line, um, you alone. get a cushion there. He doesn't have to win the fight. So, yeah, win inside I'm the distance decision out, no action I'll probably put 20000 dollars
1: loan, which is two units. Told you you'd be looking for a bridge loan.
0: Next up at UFC Vegas 56, we have Benoit Saint-Denis taking on Nicolas Stolze. Benoit Saint-Denis is 8-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off a loss in his UFC debut. Niklas Stolze is 3-2 in his last five, riding a two-fight loss Streak and Benoit's a very good wrestler with really well-timed shots and tons of pressure on top. He isn't a cage-grinding wrestler; like he's an actual lower your level, shoot a double leg, the hicks, the hicks, attack the hips, attack the hips, attack the hips. Attack the hips. I take that first. I take that very veins, personally. We're <laughs> the south. Um, we live in the south. Don't come for us. Um Anyway, he's a legit wrestler who uses his wrestling. He ducks, shoots and goes from there when he gets it to the ground he's got very good pressure and he works submissions well he has a ton of power on his feet as well and he takes that power with him to the ground lots of pressure super solid on top Niklas stolze he's a solid striker who has almost 20 professional kickboxing matches as well he uses his kicks well in his fights to set up strikes and even set up his grappling Even though he is an experienced kickboxer, he does have solid takedowns and a very capable ground game. He has used it in six of his 12 wins. He's looking for his first UFC win after being knocked out in his last fight and out grappled in the one before that. And is a dangerous striker, but he's not been able to find that rhythm yet in the UFC. I think this matchup is probably more of the same. I think Benoit works in his wrestling and grinds out Stolte the same exact way that Ramazan Amiv did to him. The only thing that worries me is how incredibly hittable Saint Denis is because if he lets Stolte hit him 167 times like his last opponent did, he might be put out. So Saint Denis is the pick because of the grappling, but this is a really tricky fight with two guys looking for their first UFC win that I I really don't have a whole bunch of confidence in. What are you thinking? Jacob Heimer-Schmidt.
1: Yeah, 100%. I I think the play is Benoit in this matchup. You saw in this last fight how good he was in the first round with those takedowns. You saw him kind of get tired. He never really gave up. You saw him kind of get tired in the second, in the third rounds. He was still, you know, he's still trying for those takedowns, still working hard. I think that was more of a UFC debut, kind of adrenaline dump type situation. It didn't look like it was exactly like cardio, because you could see he was still in it the second and third rounds. He ended up losing the decision, but I felt like it was more of an adrenaline dump. I wish that, you mentioned he has very good takedowns. He also is like a, a decent strike. He will strike, but he's one of those guys that he's either striking or he's going for takedowns. There's not a lot of mixture where he's he's striking to go for takedowns. That's why you see a lot of good grapplers, a lot of good wrestlers. They hide their wrestling behind the strikes, right? Especially Khabib. Khabib throws this like really, really good kind of lead uppercut into the takedowns. A lot of people hide their takedowns. He's either striking or he's wrestling. If he can kind of clean that up a little bit, he could be a really, really good fighter because his wrestling is so good. But sometimes it gets a little labored, a little telegraphed. And Stole's like as you mentioned, Knows what he's doing in those situations if they are a little bit telegraphed. So Benoit is the play. I think he is able to get those takedowns, but. This is a little bit closer than I think people probably realize. Stolze is, is as you mentioned, in his striking, is good. You know, Emiv uh, was, was was able to get some takedowns pretty easily on him, so you look at that and you see the path of victory for Benoit, but Stolze is a little bit of a dangerous guy. You mentioned the submission wins as well, so Benoit's got to be very careful in this matchup. Don't blow your load early as you did in the last fight. Take your time, mix in the striking to get the takedowns. Don't don't stand up and strike with the guy, but you know, mix in the striking to get the takedowns, get him to the ground, and do what you do on the ground. So I, I agree. I'm I'm picking Benoit. I don't feel real great about it. You know, I'm not. Gonna, it's not like a parlay piece for me, but you know, I'm, I'm going with Benoit, and I think he gets it done. He's a tough dude. I mean, his nickname is God of War. He's a tough dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's just so damn hittable is the problem. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're basically on the same page here. The comment section is interesting. People are on a, a polar opposite extremes, ridiculously confident in both guys, which is always funny to see. I love, because uh, you know what that means? That means on Sunday after the video, there's no matter who wins, there's going to be 1 million comments. Told you, idiot. Told you, moron. Just everybody yelling at each other because everybody's so confident on their side in this fight, but I do think it's a pretty close fight and we'll see what happens. Very hittable versus pretty good at hitting people. DraftKings, I'm not touching this at all. We have 14 fights. We have 28 fighters to choose from. You don't need to pick one of these guys. You agree?
1: Yeah, I'm not.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to touch that. I mean, you know, they're both reasonably affordable. So one of you people We're in the comments. Too section, much. I don't all.
1: like this so far. Have we
0: picked against each other?
1: Oh, yeah, the one. Yeah, we yeah. did. Tony Gravely.
0: Yeah. Um,. Yeah, people in the comments section are absolutely positive in their person to win. Well, these prices are pretty affordable, so if you're running some DraftKings lineups, grab your guy if you're that confident. The Monkey Knife Fight strike line, I think it's more and more. I think this fight probably goes to a decision or close to it. Benoit is very hittable, so he is going to be hit more than 44 times. And Stoltze, I think Benoit can get 62 strikes off, so I think this is a more, more Monkey Knife Fight line. What do you think? It probably is. Yeah, so... You want to play that line and try to tr- almost tri- triple your money? Monkey knife fight, sign up. Woo! Yep. But through our link. Otherwise, we get nothing for it. And that's wewantpicks.com slash MKF. And if you want 50 free bucks, $50 for free from me to you, wewantpicks.com slash bets. You sign up, you make your deposit, and I send you $50 as a thank
1: you. It's very easy, guys. It's free money.
0: It Jesus. is. It literally is free money. Next up at UFC Vegas 56, we have Oday Osborne taking on Zaruk Adeshev. Oday Osborne is 10-4 overall, 3-2 in his last five. He is alternating wins and losses. Zarouk Adeshev is 4-3. 4-3, and, and, and he's in the UFC, and this is not his first fight in the UFC either. Uh, he's 3-2 in his last five, and he's coming off his first UFC win. Oday Osborne is a southpaw striker who uses range well to keep people at the end of his punches. He has a ton of power and great finishing ability, especially at his new home here at 125 pounds. He was a 145 pounder, and this is his third fight down at 125. That is a big, listen, you go from heavyweight to light heavy by cutting 20 pounds, no big deal. Light heavy, down, yeah. But 20 pounds from 145 to 125 is absolutely incredible. And this is his third fight here. Uh, he has three wins in the UFC with takedowns in two of them. And he might need to use that in this matchup because Zaruk Adeshev is a kickboxer who made the transition to m and M&A. M&A. M-M-A, I, this week off really has my tongue all tied. I love the green M&Ms. Okay. You're probably allergic to peanuts, so you have to eat original flavor. And, I'm, and I feel sad for you. I'm not allergic um, to nothing, except for women, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Success. Um, Zaruk Adeshev is a kickboxer. He made his transition to MMA, but he hasn't really had a ton of success there just yet. When you watch his fights, it's really obvious he's a kickboxer because his ground game just is almost non existent. But if he can keep fights standing, he's very dangerous because he also possesses some real power. And this should be a clear win for Ode. because not only does Ode have grappling if he needs it, but he also has his own insane power. And we've seen Adeshev have issues with power and volume. But the reality is that Ode did not look good in his last fight. He looked slow. His punches were all very looping. And, you know, a fast technical striker should be able to get inside of those looping punches and have success. I I just don't think Adeshev is that guy. I think Ode is too dangerous here. Ode is the pick. Four and three Adeshev, he just didn't become what they wanted him to be. And that kickboxing to MMA transition just... Because it's not even like, last thing, look at that takedown defense, 100%. So if he was four and three and his losses were because he was taken down constantly and held down, and now they gave him a matchup against a striker... Well, okay, that's great. That's very different. Let's look at it. He's getting outstruck too. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly don't know why. Why he's been given this opportunity? You're making faces. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm actually. This is. I know this is not going to be a popular pick. I uh, will tell you that right now. And I'm a I'm a O'Day fan. I'm not no day hater. I I picked O'Day versus Manel Cop. He was destroying Manel Cop until he, he 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 ate that knee. His last fight, as you mentioned, didn't look fantastic. He ended up the thir- the third round. On his back, the I think it was like the entire round. That was not a good look when you were trying to wrestle, and he was able to get the decision win because he was able to get the wrestling in the in the beginning. But you know, Adeshev honestly to me might be one of the best four and three fighters I've ever seen in my life. He was a sixteen and three kickboxer. He actually could have had a first-round sub versus Benoit, which is kind of what worries me on the Ode side because Ode is a wrestler, but he's not like a really like dominant wrestler that, I mean, I don't know if he's been caught yet, but he can get a little sloppy in his takedowns. You know, if the guillotine's there, we saw Adeshev against Benoit snatch up the neck. If he had more time in the first round, he probably is able to get that submission win. If you're O'Day, you got to avoid, and you kind of mentioned it, the path to victory for O'Day in this fight is probably the wrestling because you got to avoid the firefights because O'Day, We'll throw bombs, man. That guy will sit in the pocket and throw bombs. And he actually got dropped. I think he got clipped and dropped against Benoit maybe in the first or the second round. But he was able actually to show his scrambling ability after he got dropped. He got dropped. Uh, Benoit tried to, like, grab him, take him to the ground. He able he was actually able to scramble pretty well back to his feet even when he was hurt. So I like seeing that, that he looked like he knew what he was doing even when his his mind was a little bit clouded. Um, I think Odey's going to have some issues in this fight. And, and, and if he... If he's not able to get those takedowns as clean, I don't think he's going to be able to get those clean takedowns. We saw him kind of gas and get tired and end up on his back in the third round. Adeshev, I know it's 4-3, and and people are going to be all over me for this pick, but I'm going Adeshev in this matchup. I I didn't love what I saw from Ode, the way he finished his last fight. I don't know if the takedowns are going to be there, and if he gets into the firefight, we've seen him get knocked out before, and Adeshev, he's got some real power in his hands. so It's not going to be popular. It might look stupid. I'm going Adeshev. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but I also I uh, I'm not saying O'Day's path to victory is grappling. I'm saying he has grappling in his back pocket if he wants to shoot a takedown or mix it in because I think he can outstrike Adeshev. I really man. do. Adeshev at has distance, also, yeah.
1: No, I agree. I, I mean, if it's a, if it's a distance, because you saw that with versus Manel Cop, right? He was able yeah. to in and out, boom, boom. He looked fantastic versus Manel Cop in to strike before he, he ate that knee. Um, I just I don't I don't think he's gonna be avoid those firefights, man.
0: Well, and, and listen, we've also seen Adishev have issues with power as well. So it's not like he's got an iron jaw and he can hang out and make the fight ugly because he too can get put out. So yeah, I mean, listen, minus one eighty, uh, I do think that's a bit extreme because we watched him get out put out cold against the, you know against uh, Manel Kopp, a good striker. And that could happen here. I just don't think so. but um but yeah, I mean, the the fight's probably closer than the odds, but I'm still on the Oday Osborne side. eighty nine hundred dollars to seventy three hundred. Man, that $8,900 is only worth it if you think he wins by knockout, which he might. $7,300, you going to spend that on Zaruk Adisheva?
1: I just saw Josh Locks. Uh, apparently, he just gave you $20. He says, not for me, so
0: $20 Josh. Josh from Josh Locks. No tip for Jacob. Angela, this is all for me. I will make sure. We Don't worry. I got a nice spreadsheet detailing everything. I will make sure this is highlighted, and none of it goes to Jacob. Thank you very much. Josh Locks and hey, Saturday's somebody's got to help me pay
1: my rent. Somebody's got to step up, and I mean, rent's due tomorrow, guys. <laughs> Some rent's due tomorrow. That twenty could help.
0: <laughs> Saturday is my birthday, so I'm keeping that as a birthday gift. And Jacob, you can crash on the couch if you want to for a little bit. Uh, where were we? Seventy three hundred dollars, jaruk Adeshev. Thanks again, Josh. Um, Seventy yeah, three hundred dollars. You you gonna spend that?
1: <laughs> uh, no, no. It's a. I mean, it's a flyer for Adeshev. If, if yeah. Oday, win, I, I like Oday. If he wins, great. You know, I like Oday, but. I just think that you get a little bit. I didn't like that third round from last fight. So, But no, yeah. I'm not going to play out of chef.
0: Okay, I hear you. Uh, the strike line, 67 to 56, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching that strike line. This could be a super quick knockout or three rounds of swinging. I'm not touching that strike line at all. Do you have any opinion whatsoever? It is dangerous, I agree. Yeah, I'm not touching it. So don't worry about that strike line, but do worry about 50 bucks in your pocket. We want picks.com. Slash bets. You sign up, you make a deposit. I send you $50 as a thank you. Next up at UFC Vegas 56, we have a, a last minute scramble, a little bit of a shuffle going on here. We've got Damon Jackson now taking on Daniel Argueda. Damon Jackson, 20 and 4 overall. He's 4 and Hold on. 1. Jester. $5 towards the rent.
1: We appreciate it. Rent's due tomorrow. We appreciate it, Jester. I assume that's for me. So make sure you write that in your stupid little spreadsheet. $5 for me.
0: <laughs> Jester with the super chat for Jacob. Thank you very much, Jester. Damon Jackson's taking on Daniel Argueta. This fight was put together just last week. Uh Damon Jackson is 20 and 4 overall. He's 4 and 1 in his last 5, coming off a submission win about 2 months ago. Daniel Argueta is 8 and 0. Oh. He's 5-0 in his last five. He's coming off a tough fight just two weeks ago. Maybe come fight night, it's three weeks, but he just, just won a split decision. An important thing to note here, Daniel Argueda is coming up in weight. He's a 135-pounder. He's coming up to 145 for this fight, and it is short notice. And Damon Jackson's a very good grappler. He's an opportunistic grappler, meaning he snatches things up and scrambles instead of plotting you know knee on belly side pass and plotting through techniques he is willing to slug it out at times which can be an asset for him depending on who the matchup is and he's coming off a submission win against Kamala Kirk where his boxing was really clean and technical he doesn't have much power but he does land some heavy shots and then immediately work for takedowns Daniel Argueta I mentioned he's stepping up on short notice uh, after Derek Minner dropped out, but he did fight two weeks ago. It'll be three weeks on Saturday. Derek
1: Minner, that Jesus, um, that name sounds so familiar. Derek Minner, Derek Minner,
0: what is? Who did he fight?
1: Yeah, who did he just fight? Derek Minner. Okay,
0: I- I'm going to continue this. Uh, oh yeah, Ryan Hall. That's right. He got dominated by Ryan Hall. Okay, that's right. okay. People are here for the. Whoa, breakdown.
1: Rogue Streamer, five dollars, five for
0: rogue strummer oh, thank you very much five dollars to jacob appreciate you guys well i appreciate you even though you're only giving money to jacob he needs it look at him look at this like he's he's pale because he, he doesn't eat anything with nutrients he can't afford only nine
1: thousand nine hundred and ninety dollars more for rent tomorrow <laughs> yeah
0: okay. all right daniel argueda he's stepping up on short notice come saturday he'd be three weeks removed from a fight in LFA. He's short, he's stocky, he's a grappler who many times doesn't even bother striking. He just comes across the cage, wraps up your body and muscles you to the ground. He has very nice pressure and he leaves almost no space for his opponents to work up. He has one single game plan, and that is to get you to the ground and just absolutely pound away. Damon Jackson, he's on his second stint in the UFC, and this time around, he's got a pretty decent UFC resume. He's three and one with wins over Charles Rosa and Mursad Bektik, and his loss to Ilya Teporia is pretty credible. That holds up pretty well, but he does rely on his wrestling and his grappling to win, but if you push that game plan against him, you wrestle him. You grapple him. You can have success. His takedown defense is only thirty-five percent. Jonathan Lindsay with the super chat. Let's get this red paid. For the lights Jacob. are staying
1: on, baby. Actually, we don't know if the lights are staying on. The rent, we might be able to swing the rent, but the lights—he's <laughs> not going to get kicked story. out.
0: Thank the you, Jonathan. Jacob appreciates it. Um. Damon Jackson's nice takedown defense is only 35%. And I think Argueta is going to have success exploiting that where Damon is going to entertain the striking and probably look good doing it. Argueta is not going to waste his time. He's not going to waste the time throwing any punches. He's going to come forward, immediately start grappling. And I I like Argueta here. I like that game plan. The quick turnaround does worry me a bit, but Argueta is the pick. I think he gets this done. I don't know if I trust the money line, so I'm probably going to do a three-and-a-half bet, which I'll explain in a minute. But I like Argueta here, man. I think Damon Jackson, I hope I don't bump into him in the grocery store, but I think he's a little overrated. We think, Jake?
1: There's Jakey? No, way, there, no way you're serious, right? There's no way this is serious,
0: right? Okay, go ahead. Do your breakdown. There's no way this is serious. Isn't,
1: yeah. Doesn't Damon Jackson, doesn't he, isn't he like, doesn't he like? watch the channel too? I mean, this guy, you're being super disrespectful to this guy that's been retweeting our stuff. I don't know. Damon? Hey, I think you dominate this fight. I understand that Daniel is an aggressive wrestler. He is like, I have in my notes, he's like a little Clay Guida to me. He's like just boom, 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 like go, 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 go. If this was a, if he was like a a true 145-er, if this wasn't such short notice, I can, honestly, Angel, I can see that, right? I can see that, what you are seeing, but he's undersized. His short notice. He is just so aggressive that if you get over-aggressive with a guy as good as the leech, Damon Jackson, you're gonna find yourself in some big, big trouble. I mean, the reason the odds are the way they are for a reason. The the, the fight is going to get to the ground. And I understand that 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 Dan is you know might end up on top or whatever, but he's gonna be too aggressive. The leech is here for a, I mean, he's here for a reason, man. Damon Jackson's my guy. I think I actually picked against him in the Camilla kirk fight, and that backfired tremendously. I will never pick against Alicia again. Damon Jackson, if you're watching, you my dude. I appreciate you. You're going to dominate this fight, get a submission win, probably in the second round. Uh, I'm going Damon Jackson all the way. I understand what you're saying, so I don't want to trash it too much if he does win, you know, but undersized, short notice, a little too aggressive, UFC debut. I don't see it, man. I don't see
0: it. Well... Just Wave became a member. Thank you very much for becoming a member. Anybody else who wants to, click the join button under the video. Listen, we have no DraftKings. We have no Monkey Knife fight to break down. I just think you you watch his fights. He just comes charging forward, shooting takedowns, and I think he can have some success doing that. And Just Wave, a $2 super chat. Thank you very much. He said he appreciates the breakdowns every week. Listen, it's a grind. I think he's talking me. we, We appreciate you appreciating us. I think, like I said, bet-wise, I'm not going straight money line on David Argueda, Daniel Argueda. I think I will do a plus three and a half bet. What that is, is I'm buying a round on the judge's scorecard, so all he needs to do is win one round. And he can win, with that wrestling, he can win a round. And if he wins a round,
1: I win my bet. I mean, mean, you're acting like Damon Jackson. Dude, we had this exact
0: same argument. Who was that other little jacked wrestler that I picked that won a round and honestly could have won the fight? Scored more points in DraftKings. It was like three Ryan months Hall? ago. It was like three months Jack ago. it's got to be
1: Ryan Hall, right?
0: Okay, anyway. It was like three months ago, same exact breakdown, same exact Aaron conversation. Too? You guys said I was crazy. The dude won a round, and a lot of people think he won the fight. Anyway, we own picks.com slash bets. We have five partners. BetOnline offers the buy a round partner. Psst. You hop in through our links, we send you 50 bucks as a thank you.
1: Little sanitizer boy, Ilya taporia Little sanitizer boy.
0: Next up at UFC Vegas 56, we have Joe Selecki taking on Alex De Silva. Joe Selecki 11 and three overall, four and one in his last five, coming off his first UFC loss. Alex De Silva is 21 and three overall. He's three and two in his last five, and he's coming off a close loss to Brad Riddell, where he had three takedowns and five minutes of control time. And Joe Selecki's a very good grappler who leans heavily on Lapper. his wrestling and his takedowns. When I first broke down Joe about a year ago, I called him Jim Miller 2.0, and that's still the case. That's exactly how he fights. He's very slick on the ground, and he really makes things happen with power and pressure and his transitions. But he has solid hands as well. His boxing is clean and crisp, and he isn't. it isn't just there to set up takedowns. He will use... His striking to win some of these fights. He'll lose to the more technically sound strikers, but he can beat the less technical ones. Alex Da Silva is a slick striker with a wide array of attacks. He has fantastic speed and legit power. He has sort of a bouncing style that allows him to jump in, throw, and then immediately jump back out of the pocket. But he isn't just a striker, he has fantastic wrestling and grappling as well. His takedowns are really well timed, and he sneaks them in at the end of his combinations. As his opponents are looking to strike back at him, he'll throw his combination. As soon as they're about to you know, retaliate, he drops and he goes. And this is a really fun fight. And I think this is a really close fight as well. I think these odds are much farther than they need to be. Joe Selecki 170, which means he's like a 64% probability to win this fight. So 64% of the time he wins the fight. I don't think that's the case. I don't think he wins that often. I think this is a very close fight. Alex Da Silva hits hard, has great takedowns and his own slick jujitsu. If you match him up skill for skill, I think Da Silva is the much better striker. The wrestling advantage probably goes to Joe. BJJ probably slight to Joe as well, but the power definitely to Da Silva. But what is interesting about wrestling is it's not always the better wrestler who wins. And more often, it's the person who takes the shot first, who initiates the wrestling first. It's much easier to finish a takedown than it is to defend a takedown. And I think Alex might take some of those shots early because if you look at their fights, even though Alex is a talented striker, he goes to his wrestling more often than Joe does. So the pick is really hard I'm leaning Alex right now. I, I mean, I might feel completely different on Saturday, but right now I'm feeling Alex De Silva. This is another maybe plus three and a half bet, or I'm not going to do this bet. So any, every time we give you bets, it's our bet. This one that I'm saying right now is I'm not going to do it. I mean, Saturday's my birthday. Maybe I do give it a shot, but this might be one of those like you, you can bet on it's a split decision. This might be Joe Selecki wins split decision or Alex De Silva. Wins a split decision. And those odds are always really, really fun. So I think it's a super close fight. I like Alex Da Silva because I think he literally just has more ways to win. What do you think, Jacob Heim or Schmidt?
1: Yeah, this is a another Lock of the Week candidate. Uh, tune in Wednesday to find out who the Lock of the Week is. I, I'm going with Alex in this matchup. Uh, you know, he is the inner dog. But this guy, he has 21 wins, 20 finishes. He's 21 wins, 20 finishes. This guy is an Animal. He's taking some time off. What's his layoff? Um, let me check here to make sure I have this right. Yeah, he's, he hasn't fought since September of two, 2020, so we'll see what kind of shape he comes in and see if he's able to get one of those first-round early finishes if he comes in sharp. He is an absolute animal, man. The, the weird stat about Joe Slecki is he either is a first-round guy or he is a decision guy. He has no fights that have ended in the second round either wins or losses or so either gets a first round finishes gets finished in the first round or it goes to a decision i think he has one win in the third round but nothing in the second round so what that tells me is something is going to happen in the second round of this fight it just seems like that is what's going to happen in this matchup i like alex the biggest key here is joe selecki is going to be able to kind of neutralize the grappling that is his path to victory is if he can neutralize the grappling you know, maybe he can squeak out a decision win because that's what he does. He's, he's a first round or a decision guy. Maybe he can squeak out the decision because Alex, with that aggressive nature, you see him kind of fade as the fight goes on. He's not necessarily just a first round or bust type of guy, but in his fights, you see the kind of backstabs. He'll still kind of push forward and stuff, but you can see he gets a little bit tired in the second, especially in the third rounds. The thing that set it off to me, Angelo, and I mean, tell me, you're not going to like this. I'll tell you this 100%. Alex De Silva, can you guess what, who his mentor was in Brazil, coming up as a young fighter, who who mentored him and molded him and shaped him into this just striking finishing phenom, one of the best strikers in the UFC. Angela, you know who it is. Come on, who? Darren Till was his mentor coming up in the regional scene. If if Darren Till's on your side, you got to know that his striking is pristine. It's looking great. He's a striker. He's a wrestler. The guy is an absolute finisher. And I'll be honest with you guys. Tune in Wednesday, but he is right now 1A for lock of the week. We're going to see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with a few other guys. I mentioned Johnny earlier, but Alex is so I, I like him in this matchup. Joe Selecki, I don't see a lot from him. Maybe he can neutralize the grappling, but Alex is just so, so aggressive, so tough. The, the layoff worries me a little bit. I think it, it works out in his favor. I think he comes out aggressive, and he shows up big. I'm Alex. I over.
0: think the, the most surprising thing about this breakdown is that Darren Till was this young Brazilian you know, boy's English Darren Till? Was this well? You know, Brazilian he was, a, he, was in, uh,
1: he lived in Brazil forever. Yeah, he, he I mean, like he grew up. And he beat was getting stabbed. No, he was getting. No, he was. I mean, he was getting stabbed. And, yeah. and so they sent him to Brazil. So he was there for a while and then uh, mentored this young man and turned him
0: to an absolute animal. I mean, twenty finishes. It's crazy. Okay. Well, DraftKings. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong in either direction. Frankly, I think if you're very confident on your side, I think. These guys score well because Joe Selecki, either one of them can finish. Joe Selecki can ride out a decision with a ton of points. Alex de Silva probably not real decision candidate here potentially, but um, you know that's why I said this might be a. Sp- Even though I like Alex de Silva, this may be a split decision for Joe Selecki because Alex could have him almost dead to rights early, and then fade as the fight goes on, and then Joe picks up steam and. You know, squeaks out a decision. But I think it's a super close fight. I think it's a really fun fight. And the Monkey knife fight strike line, I think it's more and more. I think this fight goes a little bit. I think they go at it. I think it's more and more. I think there's a good amount of exchange here. Joe, if you watch some interviews with him, he talks about coming off that loss. He's very practical, he's very logical about it. And he's like, listen, I lost that fight. I made mistakes. I'm frustrated with myself, but I didn't get my head taken off. So I'm going to come out here and I'm going to do more of the same and I'm going to grind and I'm going to try to get this win. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. you have an opinion on the Monkey knife? Any,
1: anytime somebody talks like, Oh, I think I did pretty well when they lose, that's a loser mentality. Joe Selecki is a loser. Yeah, you know he's gonna get finished in the <laughs> second round. He's never he's, he's never been finished or he's never had a fight in the second round, he's gonna get finished in the second round.
0: Okay. Yeah. Definitely a loser mentality when people just don't take their losses, Jacob.
1: Right. I mean, he, the guy's got to be like, I, "I was awful. I got I to change. I got to do this. I got to do that. But he's like, oh, I, I thought I, I didn't get knocked out. So, gee, golly, I did great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. You definitely know about accountability in losses. Absolutely. Anyway, guys, Absolutely. if you want $50 for free, go to com slash bets. You sign up with any one of our five betting partners, make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks. If you want to test out some daily fantasy and bet these strike lines, com slash m. K F though instantly match your deposit. Use their free money. All sorts of free money. Use their free money. Play some of those strike lines. Next up at UFC Vegas 56, Woo! we have... Fight of the night. The people's fight. The people's the main people's event, The people's main event. We have Felice Herrig taking on Carolina Kolokhevitz. Felice Herrig is 14-9 overall. She's 2-3 in her last five, with her last win being in 2017. Karolina Kovaciewicz is 12-7 overall, 0-5 in her last five. And her last win was actually against Felice Herrig all the way back in 2018. It's a weird matchup. Neither one of these women have won a fight in four years. Years, I, I don't know what's going on here because this was a last-minute addition as well. They just added this fight like a week and a half ago, so this isn't even this wasn't even a uh, a predetermined fight. But anyway, Felice Herrig, she's pretty well-rounded fighter, and she's an OG in women's MMA. She's been a professional since 2009, and she's fought pretty much every decent fighter in the last 10 years. She's got solid takedowns, solid scrambles, solid kickboxing. And was one of the first well-rounded women on the scene. She's just not great anywhere. She's decent everywhere. She's not great anywhere. Very physically imposing and likes to bully her ways to win. Bully her way to wins. Karolina Kovaciewicz is a very good striker who at one point was a legit contender. And before this recent skid, she had some solid wins in the UFC, including one over former champion Rose Namajunas in 2016, her last win was against Felice Herrig in 2018. She's a good kickboxer. She's got really solid technique and some good power for the division. And it's easy to say she's on a five-fight losing skid and she's got nothing left and she's dead in the eyes and everything else that people are saying. But let's look at those five losses. She lost to former champion Jessica Andraj. She lost to Michelle Watterson. She lost to Alessa Grasso, Jan Janan, and Jessica Panay. The Jessica Panay loss. That's a bad loss. The other losses are, you know, no loss is good, but those hold up to this day. Those are solid losses, even though some of them were a while ago. I mentioned this is a rematch. Their first fight was pretty close. Carolina won a decision where neither woman had any success with their takedowns, but Carolina was able to outstrike Felice 140 to 97. It's borderline impossible to say what will happen in this fight is the better fighter, but she hasn't looked like herself in years. Felice is scrappy. She's well-rounded. She's also been inactive because of some serious injuries. So it's not just like she's sitting around. She's literally been injured. She's finally coming back. This is a coin flip fight. Don't bet on it. I'm only making a pick because I have to. This Nobody's a genius here. Nobody needs to pretend that they've got some scoop. and they, This is... Just watch this fight. Don't bet on it. Don't like. What do you think, Jacob? But like, come on. There's. I already see. There's gonna be people in the comments. This, that. but well, because let's be real. This is. This who is all of. So who place. did you pick? I picked Felice. Did I not get to that point? I, I picked don't, I don't Felice so. literally because I just think she's got a little more fire. But Carolina's the better fighter. But I, yeah, just don't I, I know mean, if it's gonna matter
1: yeah I agree I think Carolina is the better overall fighter and as I mentioned at the start of this video Carolina I am still single uh if you're watching this video I, I appreciate I, I've reached out uh, I'm in your DMs uh just go ahead and answer those DMs and let's uh let's get this started I if you were looking for a training partner I'm great on the ground great off my back um, uh, anyway I'm going with Carolina
0: <laughs> I got I got yeah, no I mean, analysis I mean who, who the
1: hell knows I'm going with Carolina <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I hear you. I'm not going to, like I said, nobody's a genius. And anybody pretending that they're a genius and pretending that they've got some spot on this fight is a buffoon. There's 14 fights on this card. There's no reason to put a flag in the ground on this fight. Neither one has won four years since either one of them had their hand raised. Four years. We can't know what's going to happen here. So either way, just watch it and have some fun. I'm not even going to break down DraftKings. Do what the hell you want with this. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not touching it. Um, Not touching the betting odds Monkey knife fight That actually might be worth something Because I think they get past that What did I say the striking was In their last fight These strikes were 140 to 97 So they blew past that pretty solid last time They're a little older A little slower You take it down And here's your strike. Right, an and this, is why, and this is
1: why Monkey Knife Fight is great. In a, in a fight like this where you don't really know, you don't really know inside, you don't really know, the bets aren't here, Monkey Knife Fight is there for you guys. Sign up, Monkey Knife Fights. You can play fights like this and still win some money on them.
0: Look at you turning into the pro. I don't need to do the, the over-the-top promos anymore. We have you now. Damn. You're going to throw on a crown and sell us a mattress. Anyway, we own slash MKF. You want to check out Monkey Knife Fight and weontpix.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. You make a deposit, we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Weontpix.com slash bets. This is an interesting fight. Next up at UFC Vegas 56, we have Alonzo Menafield taking on Askar Mazharov. Alonzo Menafield is 11 and three overall. He's only two and three in his last five and he's coming off that decision loss to William Knight. Askar Mazharov, look at this record. he's 21 and 11. but he's not that's his updated record. I'll show you on the next slide here what his record was just a few days ago. His record a few days ago was much better. <laughs> it was 25 and 7. They took so four of on. those wins. Looked at him and said, oh, these aren't wins, these are losses. Moved them to the loss column. All of a sudden, all these early betters that laid a ton of money on Ascar looking a little foolish because you can't always trust topology. But Askar Asht- Mirazharov is 21 and 11 overall. He's four and one in his last five, and he's making his UFC debut after a year layoff. Alonzo Menafield has great power, great takedown defense, and is looking to take your head off with every single punch. Historically, the knock on him was his cardio, and we have definitely seen him gas in the past. But in his fight against N. Hervin, and even in the loss against William Knight, he showed that he can keep a pace for 15 minutes. Alonzo Menifield has power, speed, athleticism, an 83% takedown defense, and now he has cardio, which together makes him a pretty dangerous guy inside that cage. Askar Mazharov, is an athletic striker with a good amount of power. He's not the most technical striker, but he does put power behind pretty much all of those strikes. He has okay pure grappling, but his takedown defense is just literally strength-based. There's not real technique. His hips aren't where they're supposed to be. He's just using his muscles to try to keep this fight in his feet. It's interesting, and and I'm not... There's no narrative here. I'm I'm not trying to accuse anybody of anything, but look at askars physique right now look at him just a few years ago when he was a 185 pounder he looked like jacob now he looks like this very quick turnaround very quick bulk up and then he gets the call up to the ufc and he took a full year off before coming in i'm not you know i know nothing i'm literally this is analysis based off pictures I, I feel like something's fishy going on, and and there were some substances involved here. That coupled with the, the fishy record thing, He's a liver. that just he happened. actually looks
1: like the Liver King. You know the Liver King guy. You see him? Yeah,
0: liver He's, king I think here. he just
1: eats liver. He just eats uh, testicles and all sorts of stuff. You eat testicles, right? I mean, <laughs> recreationally, not <you> know. as <laughs> um, like a hobby.
0: Anyway, ASCAR the um, record thing that's new that literally just happened today Whoop, red flag um, Whoop. plus the There's physique a... thing that's a little sketchy cuz i almost immediately picked Askar against menafield because he's powerful he'll bang he's actually pretty creative with his strikes and i basically thought this would be the alonzo menafield william Knight fight that we thought we were going to get not the decision but the more i dug into it i saw the first rounder bust tendencies out of ascar now we know the dramatic size increase now we know his record is a little a little fishy but Menafield being knocked out by St. Prue, that worries the hell out of me um, because Razov throws with absolute intent. So I think this is a really close fight. I am going to pick Alonzo here because of the UFC experience. There's just too many unknowns, too many red flags with Askar here. Betting wise, I bet one full unit already on the fight does not go the distance. It's minus 350. Traditionally, I would never bet a minus 350 because that's, that's just too wide. But if you watch that betting video I did with Chris Riley, we talk about converting these odds into probabilities and you look at it that way. And a minus 350 bet means that's, it's it converts to 77% probability. So that means do you think? This is a real question to you, Jacob. Jacob, do you think this fight? <laughs> I don't think this getting out of the first round. So I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll let me cut you off. And, More and, than seventy-seven yes. percent of the time. So I don't think I don't think this fight goes to the distance ninety percent of the time. So minus three fifty sounds like a lot, but once you convert it to probability, seventy-seven percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I that. would
1: put three and a half units on that to get a unit back. Honestly, I mean that seems like the safest bet. Ba- I, I I don't think that I literally don't see this getting out of the first round. Were you done? I didn't know. Yeah, want no, to do your you breakdown. You I'm done. <laughs> no, I was, gonna, I was gonna say, I mean, we mentioned uh, there's so many red flags with Asgard. Did you pick <laughs> uh,
0: you picked uh, Alonzo,
1: I assume, right?
0: I did, but like let's be real, he can get knocked out no problem. Like, this is another fight I said in the last fight, nobody's a genius here. All I, I can offer the insight, I can I can raise those red flags, but Alonzo Menifield gets knocked out, he makes some poor decisions in fights, but he also hits like a freight train, and we know Asgard's record is fake. So that's why I bet the round that I'm not betting on the fight. The fighter themselves.
1: Yeah, his his record is fake. And if you look at some of the people he's fought, those guys look like they have never fought. You, you mentioned the 185. <laughs> he looked like he's fighting me in some of those fights. Like he comes over, just blitzes forward, throws these wild bombs, knocks people out. And then you look at the people he's fighting, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, that's typically what happens when you fight somebody at that level. You know, I'm, I, 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 I we, we talked about this earlier today, Angelo. For some reason, I cannot stand... Alonzo Meadowfield. I don't know what it is. People talk about it in the chat about his fight IQ, the way he got knocked out by OSP, the way he was kind of getting manhandled a little bit by William Knight in that fight. You know, Ed Herman. I just, I, I don't like I thought he looked
0: good in the end. You and I did talk about this. I said he looked good against Ed Herman. He had cardio. He controlled that fight. I would hope so. Ed Herman's a vet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would hope you look good if if you're looking like that, Alonzo Menafield, I would hope that you're <laughs> you're looking good against you know Fluffy and Herman. But I, there's there's something about this fight that I know there's so many red flags. about Ascar. he's gonna come over and just blitz Alonzo Menafield and it's gonna and something is going to happen in the first round. And I I'm gonna take the aggressor in this fight. I see Alonzo Menafield eyes wide open. You know, there's let's fight. It's gonna be like oh shit, because this monster of a guy, neck tattoo. We'll see how he looks Friday on the scale. Yeah, let's he, see could how he a looks, This because... is definitely one of those scale. Let's check the scale. Yeah. See if he's looking yes. a little loose, looking a little flabby, see what the nipples are looking a like. Deflate. Yeah, exactly. A little deflated <laughs> You know, so we'll see what he looks like on Friday. We might you know, make sure you tune in Saturday. I might change his pick, even though I, I agree with what Angelo said. This is like one of those fights where it's like, who the hell knows what's gonna happen? Alonso Menofido, if you cannot beat this guy. I don't know what the hell you're doing because this guy's just going to come forward. The counters will be there. He's not a technical guy. He's not a cardio guy. Oh, He's not a wrestling guy. He
0: caught. Uh... Oh, never mind. I was thinking of William Knight.
1: Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> you know, if you cannot beat this guy, you shouldn't be in the UFC. This is tailor-made to. But I mean, he, he throws some wild shit. So I'm, I'm going with Askar. The red flags are there. I understand it. We'll see how he looks Friday. I'm going to take the aggressor. I just can't stand Alonzo Menifield as a fighter.
0: Listen, I, I like Alonzo Menafield as a fighter, but I hear you. Listen, pick your side here in DraftKings because no matter what side you're on, you'll get your money's worth, right? If Alonzo Menafield wins this fight, he's worth 8700 bucks for sure. This is going to be a knockout. If Asgard wins this fight, well, that's a great $7,500 to spend. So whoever's winning this fight is going to get a knockout and they'll get it out, you know, they'll get it somewhat early so they'll get some solid, uh, they'll get some solid uh, you'll get some solid value out of them. Um, are you going to throw Askar in your lineup at that price? He's definitely a multi-lineup,
1: uh, but probably not for my single entry, I would say. You've won
0: our Friends League two weeks in a row? I think it's been like 10 in a row. Yeah, okay. Let's This week off destroyed you, I'm sure. There goes all your mojo. Uh, the Monkey knife fight strike line, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. I, I, I think these guys swing actual Wild. So I'm not going to touch this strike line here, but if you want to touch it, we on mkf They will instantly match your deposit. Take their money. You give them twenty, they give you twenty. Take their free twenty. Spend it on some lines. They're free money. I it think, costs yeah, you nothing. It's completely. Yeah,
1: I think I think this is a less less hundred percent. You if you want, there's one highlight for Askar in a boxing ring where he gets pushed up against the ropes. He's throwing bombs in a boxing ring, getting his arm caught on the top rope and throwing bombs with the rope on his arm. It's a crazy. It's a, literally, he doesn't like try to get it loose. This guy is so untechnical. He literally, the rope is caught. And he's just like, fuck it. And just keeps throwing bombs with the rope on his arm. The
0: guy is wild. <laughs> well, that rage will do that to you. And if you want 50 free bucks, we slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. We send you $50 as a thank you. Next up, we have Pollyanna Batello taking on Karine or Karine Silva. Pollyanna Batello is eight and four overall, two and three. Oh! And here we go. Jay Wee. Here we go.
1: Keep the good work. Jay Wee with dudes. the
0: two dollar super chat saying, keep up the good work, my dudes. Thank you very much, Jay Wee. We appreciate the support greatly. Next up at UFC Vegas 56 we have Pollyanna Batelo taking on Karine Silva. Pollyanna Batelo is 8 and 4 overall, 2 and 3 in her last 5, coming off tough losses to Luana Carolina and Jillian Robertson. Karine Silva is 14 and 4 overall, 5 and 0 oh in her last 5, coming off a stoppage win on the contender series. And Pollyanna Batelo is a creative striker who at times can try to be fancy or showboaty, but it ends up just being sloppy. She's definitely a solid prospect though. And you could tell she's learning and improving with each fight. She looks better every single time she's out there. Because of her creativity though, she doesn't have the greatest fight IQ because she'll just spend too much time trying to be fun and creative than actually trying to get her ones and twos out there. She likes to fight at distance, but she can work in wrestling and grappling. She was able to take down Luana Carolina in a very close loss And Lauren Miller twice in a win. Karina Silva is a powerful grappler who's constantly working towards submissions, both from top and the bottom. Nothing reinforces that more than knowing all 14 of her wins are by stoppage. She will just plot forward with a tight guard, so just real tight guard, throw a flurry of punches, rush in, and then body clinch, cage work you to the ground. She's constantly working for position and then submission when she gets down there, and she is tricky though because she can chase submissions which can get her in the in the scramble she doesn't want to be in and end up on her back. Like for example, I watched her ditch half guard, so she's on top in half guard. She ditched it for an ankle lock, didn't submit with the ankle lock, and then she spent a good amount of the round on bottom on her back. Those are not the scrambles you want to get in, especially not in the UFC with UFC judges because they will hate that. And I mentioned that Pollyanna, is a pro- she honestly is a prospect. She improves. She's improving at a steady pace. And I do believe that. But in this matchup, it's a little tricky. I do think she's faster. I think she has cleaner striking and better footwork. But I also think Karine is more powerful, more willing to grapple, and can just beat Pollyanna the exact same way that Jillian Anderson beat Pollyanna. Plenty of takedowns. Plenty of control time. So Karine is the pick. And I already threw a money line bet on her at minus 115. And it seems to be moving, just not a ton. What do you think, Jekalutz?
1: Yeah, I think this is simply, if, if it, the fight is stays on the feet, I think it's a Poliana fight. If it goes to the ground, I think this is a Silva fight. Because Poliana is probably the better striker. She's been working on her wrestling, and she tried to show that off in her last fight, and she was able to get the takedowns, but she lost that fight because she was getting takedowns and getting reversed and was ended up on her back in that fight. So if she tries to show off her wrestling again, I could see her getting reversed. Silva is very, very dangerous on the ground, as you mentioned. Even in her guard, if she ends up you know, losing a scramble, ends up on her guard against somebody like Pollyanna, I think she has success in her guard. She's a very dangerous guard in that right as well. So if you're Pollyanna... I know that you've been working on your wrestling. You've been trying to show off your wrestling, your grappling. Keep this on your feet, ones and twos. Keep her at distance. Win a boring decision. But I think that she comes in, and this fight finds its way to the ground, and, and so it finds a submission win. I it, you know, I don't know if I'm going to play this submission win, but I, I think that this is going to turn into a grappling match, and Silva is just heads and, heads and tails, heads and shoulders? Heads and, ta- heads and shoulders above uh, Polly on the ground. So I think she gets it done.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're aligned on the pick here. The bet... What's the phrase? Uh, it's heads
1: and tails. Isn't there like heads and tails? I know, obviously, yeah, that's it's a coin flip. That's clip, two but... sides of
0: a coin, dude. Grow up. Uh, I know that, but I thought there was... Grow uh... up. It's how you do your picks. Thing. Anyway. Well, um, it's working out. I've already got that money line bet on Kareen Silva. DraftKings, I think she's worth 8200 bucks because I think she's live for a finish. I think she gets a ton of control time. I think she... So, I, I really like her here uh, quite a bit. So... Uh, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely have her in my DraftKings lineup. And then Sean V posted something saying that, um, these 8,000 versus $8,200 fights on DraftKings make the optimals often. So I guess it sounds like you need to have one of these two in your lineup. I will have Karine in mine, and it's probably more and more in monkey night fight, especially these female fights do tend to go the distance. I think it's more and more. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'd be careful with the Monkey Knife fight, but I agree. I think Silva might be one of the better values top to bottom on the DraftKings lineup when you look at level competition that people are facing and the, and the price that she is and the how dangerous she can be. I think $8,200 for her is a very, very good value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear you. Monkey Knife fight. I think it's more and more. If you think this fight goes so a distance, it's definitely more and more. Go to weallpicks.com slash m k f. Sign up, give that a try, see what happens. And if you want 50 free bucks, we want slash bets. You sign up there, you make a deposit. I send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Ooh, hold on. Next up at UFC Vegas 56, we have the feature fight of the evening. We have Mike Trezano taking on Lucas Almeida. Mike Trezano, nine and two overall, three and two in his last five. And he's coming off a decision loss to Hakim Dawadu, Lucas Almeida is 13 and one overall, four and one in his last five, making his official UFC debut after a failed contender series bid about seven months ago. Mike Trezano is an ultimate fighter winner. He's a fun forward pressure striker with some real power and lots of energy. He keeps his power late into fights and is constantly pressuring forward. He's a calculated striker who does a good job mixing in that power and his speed. He can put his foot on and off the gas pedal, and he has an impressive fight IQ. If you go back to his win over Ludovic Klein, he sat on that stool between rounds, knew he was down and said, I need to turn it up to win this. And that's literally what he did. He turned it up, took that next round, and won that fight. He's coming off that, that loss to Hakim Dawadu, where he just lost a technical striking match, but we did see him work in some grappling. Lucas Almeida is a powerful striker who loves throwing a heavy one two. He loves coming forward and setting up a big right hand. When he sees blood and when he senses blood, he will literally drop his hands, march forward and just throwing whatever he needs like to a to dog try to get that with finish. a bone. Like a dog. Look at you growing up, learning, becoming a real man. You're you're flowering. Look at you. I can feel my bones um, dropping right now. But Lucas Almeida is aware enough to know that he's a striker and not a grappler. He managed He manages ground control well on top, but if his opponents start to get their wits about them, start to create a scramble, he stands right up and he resets. His takedown defense is just okay, but what I love that he does is he makes you pay for those entries. If you shoot a takedown on him and he stuffs it, he will blast you on the way out to get you questioning if you even want to shoot again. And this should be a really fun striker versus striker matchup. We got two guys who don't back down. I do like Mike Trezano here because... Um, you know, this is the type of fights that he wins. He beats these brawling style strikers. It's the tight technical strikers like Dawadu that give him trouble that he loses to. But these brawling strikers like Lucas Almeida, Mike Trezano can have some luck there. So Lucas is, you know, he's a headhunter. I think Trezano is more technical, I think he'll work the body and then the head, and I think he can get it done. So I do like Trezano here, but I'm not loving these odds. And when I first did this breakdown on Sunday, he was minus 250. and Now he's down to minus 210. So some money has come in on Lucas Almeida just in the last few days. What do you think?
1: Yeah, actually, I actually don't hate that play, Lucas Almeida. I'm not going to pick Lucas Almeida. I mean, the play is Mikey T. Um, but that last fight, he didn't look great. He was a, pretty much a step behind that entire fight. Obviously, that was against a very good competition. He was outstruck 2-1, to 190-90, one, just crazy, crazy outstruck, and this is a dangerous matchup for him. If, 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 if you're Mikey T going into this matchup, you have to be thinking decision. Let me just win a decision. Just decision, decision, be technical. Don't try to get in these firefights because this Lucas guy will blitz you early and will overextend on his shots, and the counters will be there. Get out of the way. Get your counter, get back, distance yourself again, and then wait for the next firefight. You know, counter again and get away, get a decision win. Because if you're trying to finish this guy and you're trying to get in these firefight exchanges, Lucas has some big power. He's listed at 155. This is a 145 fight. I don't know if he goes back and forth. I think this is UFC debut, so we'll see. Maybe he is just so uh, he kind of goes up and down. But maybe he brings that power down with him if he's a bigger guy. This is a Mike Trazano play. I think it's a dangerous fight for him. Because of the, the, the pressure and power that Lucas can bring to the fight. He can bring the fight to Mike. And if he, if he baits Mike into those firefights, Mike could find himself in some trouble. So if you're Mike, decision, decision, decision. Get in and out of those firefights. Be tactical, as Angelo said. Maybe work in some takedowns. Win a decision. I'm Mikey T. I think this is a little bit more dangerous. And maybe that's why some money there is coming in for Lucas. But I'm Mikey T.
0: Yeah, I mean... Um... I don't love the odds, but I I do like Mike Trezano. I, I hate him at ninety one hundred bucks. No way am I spending that. I mean, Lucas Almeida's thirteen and one. He's very dangerous. He's looking to take your head off in fights, and he has no problem making it ugly and dirty. And like I said, Mike Trezano seems to have some success in those matchups, but you know, it is not easy to avoid a brawl with somebody who's trying to brawl. So no chance I spend ninety one hundred dollars in DraftKings on Mike Trezano. You seem to agree you nodded your head.
1: Uh, yeah, no, no, thank you.
0: No, okay. Thank you
1: for the offer. Uh, no, thank you.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, Jester had a great to...
1: comment. Said that you and uh, Mikey T are going to go out and get yourselves an Angelo after the fight.
0: Oh, I, I bet that guy loves a good Angelo sandwich. Anybody who doesn't know what Angelo sandwich is? I am from Newtown, Connecticut. If you go to any of the delis in Newtown, any of them, you look at the board: Angelo sandwich. It is literally named after me. I coach in that town forever. It's bologna, and coach- cheese, and mustard. It's, and I, on coached, rye bread. I coached the one deli owner's son and then he expanded to two delis and then they got sold. But the sandwich is such a hit. People pick it up. If you go to Yelp right now and look up the Newtown Deli in Newtown, Connecticut, one of the top reviews is love the Angelo sandwich. It's my sandwich. Everyone, I everyone it.
1: leave a one-star review for the Angelo sandwich and get it off the menu. Let's get that thing off the it. menu.
0: It is a chicken cutlet. If you don't know, you Southerners, that's just fried fried chicken breast. It's a chicken cutlet, roasted red peppers, fresh mutts, the good thick stuff, and a balsamic glaze on a hard roll. And if you don't know what a hard roll is, it's Connecticut. And if anyway. you go to
1: Pornhub.com and search The Jacob, <laughs> there is a move that I have mastered that yeah, there is thousands of videos everywhere. that people are just working yeah. The Jacob in, and it's fantastic. You guys got to look it up. It's, it's better than the Angela. I'll tell you that.
0: You, know, you guys want to go buy an Angelo sandwich? It's on me. All you need to do is go to slash bets. You sign up, you make a deposit. I'll send you 50 bucks. You can go ahead and get yourself a couple of Angelo sandwiches. slash bets. I mean, the sandwich is legit good. Didn't you have it when you visited? I wouldn't eat that shit. Because no you're much. afraid of new foods? Muppet. I got the chicken My tenders. My southern Texas wife had that and it changed her life. Changed her life. Anyway i thought you next up life. not for the better <laughs> not for the better next up at ufc vegas 56 we have the co main event of the evening we have dan Ige taking on mavzar evloyev dan Ige, 15 and 5 overall mavzar evloyev what the hell is he 15 and 0. Oh. 15 and 0. Oh. solid matchup with these two guys. Dan Ige is the real deal. He has fantastic kickboxing with speed and power, as well as takedowns and jiu-jitsu. He's exactly what modern mixed martial artists should be. He's good everywhere. He was on an incredible six-fight win streak before a few bumps in the road. But if you look at who he beat and who he lost to, he beat Mursad Bektik, who honestly... A lot of people have beaten him at this point, but he's an incredibly talented fighter if you watch those fights. He beat Edson Barboza, who we all know is incredible. He knocked out Gavin Tucker with one punch. And he lost to Calvin Katar, who we know is a killer, and the Korean zombie. So Dan Ige is very good. Mavzar Evleev is a killer. He's a fantastic wrestler who uses his striking really well to set up his takedowns. He will keep his punches long, meaning he throws a right hand and he keeps it extended. And while that's extended, he lowers his level, shoots the legs with his left hand, and then shucks the head with his right hand. It's actually beautiful the way that he does that. And it's very different from what most people do. Most people either shoot the takedown while throwing the right hand, so they go left, right, and they're already lowering the level trying to shoot the takedown, or they left, That's right, bring it to. back, bring it back, and then shoot. He leaves it out there, shoots the leg, shoves the head out of the way with his right hand. Um, I like flying, little, flying triangles. That's kind of my go-to. I, I bet you do. And those little setups and his incredible chain wrestling is why Mavzar Evlayev averages four takedowns per fight, and he had nine against Hakim Dawadu. And a lot of you love Dan Ige here. I've been seeing the comments for two weeks now – Danny Egan's my lock. Danny Egan's my. You people love Danny Ige in this fight, and I'm sure you all loved him. You know when he fought Josh Emmett too. Same exact people. Danny is gonna smoke Josh. Danny Egan, Ige... and and that's just not how that fight went down. But what did surprise me in that last fight is that he actually took Josh Emmett down. All of a sudden, Danny is initiating those wrestling exchanges. And if that's the game plan here, it's not necessarily impossible that he has success because as great of an offensive wrestler Mavzar is, he does get taken down. Nick Lentz took him down in a split decision. Mike Grundy took him down six times. But with that being said, I am very confident that Mavzar wins this fight, and I do think he wins his sixth UFC decision. So I bet Mavzar Evleev wins by decision at minus 155. I already threw a full unit on that because... That's the only way this guy's winning fights, and I'm positive he's going to win this fight. So, easy bet for me. I did it at Bet Online. If you want to check that out, weonpicks.com slash bets. You sign up with any of our partners, I give you 50 bucks. Jakey Boy, what do you think of Movistar's Wrestling, and why is he going to take down Daniel? Uh, well, I,
1: I, yeah, I think that um, when people sign up, it's free money. That's 50 free dollars. I don't understand why anyone would not sign up. It's literally My
0: free man. money. man, look at you. So, I literally paid Jacob on Saturday. Or Sunday? When did I pay you? Monday? I don't know. I paid uh, him I the other day and know. now look at him doing all the play. He got a little taste and now, oh, and now, have, now he's get pushing for guys.
1: These, sign these up, pushes. please. Like I said, rent's due tomorrow. We had we $15 in <laughs> donations. I need 15 people to sign up tonight. Please, if you have not signed up, rent is due tomorrow. Uh, yeah, taste. anyway, now so here... Addicted. Yeah, default, default said that Dan Ige is a bum. Dan Ige is not a bum. The guy's never been finished in, in, in 20 pro fights, which is a, really, really a, an incredible feat, especially against a competition that he's faced. I'm a huge, huge Dan Ige guy. I even tweeted like a week or so ago, like Dan Ige, Lockley. I'm a big, big Dan Ige. I love Dan Ige. He was like my Pat Sabatini before Pat Sabatini. Dan Ige is my guy. <laughs> when I look at this fight, I, I don't see a path to victory for Dan. I just do not see it. If, if, if Evelov was a guy that was a finisher, if he was a guy that is finishing people in the first round, just putting people away and put people away, I would look at this fight and say, oh, Dan Ige can survive. He's very, very good everywhere, as Angelo said. His jiu-jitsu is incredible. His, his, his grappling is very, very good as well. Maybe Dan Ige can grind out the first round, get Evelov tired, win the second round, win a decision. But Evelov is not a finishing guy. He is also a decision guy. He just gets on people's back and just kind of takes his time. He's hanging out, having a good time, threatening submissions. We'll just sit there, punch you in the head, look for your neck. If he was a a finishing guy, I could see Dan Ige as being that guy that that could turn that tide, get him tired, win a second round, squeak out the third round for a weird decision win. Unfortunately... Evelov is so good, man. He is so, so, he is one of those real deal guys. I cannot believe that he does not have more finishes because he's so dominant in the way that he wrestles. You know, maybe Dan Ige ends up on top, get, throws a weird elbow, gets him hurt, and all of a sudden the tides are changing. I'm going to be rooting for Dan Ige. I love Dan Ige. He's very, very good everywhere. I don't know if he's going to get finished. He's probably not going to get finished. Evelov's not a finisher. Dan Ige has never been finished. You know, blah, blah, blah. I got to go Evlov in this in this matchup. Unfortunately, if, if Danny Gay wins, great. Nothing against Evlov, but I just don't see where. I don't. People are saying, "Oh, Danny Gay. How does he win? Angelo, how does he win?" I don't know. Maybe a weird submission, but
0: Evlov is just too good, too controlling. He knows what he's doing. No, Evlev is great. I'm so glad that this is the fight because Evlev is supposed to fight Ilya Teporia, like. a – couple months ago and that oh, fell that apart. Bum. You talk. You want to talk about a bum. Ilya
1: missed <laughs> Mr. Hand Sanitizer, that dude is clueless. Early and stoppage s- versus Ryan Hall was about to get heel hooked. Unbelievable.
0: Anyway, I'm glad that fight didn't happen because I love both those guys. They're both big time prospects. So, you know, listen, it's unfortunate for Dan Ige, who's fantastic, but I think Mavzar does what he does. But Dan Ige is a legit tough vet, so we'll see what he can pull off. $9,400, that's a lot of money to spend, but I think it's worth it. It is a of takedowns here a ton of control time and DraftKings loves that you're making a face
1: yeah i don't know if i i, I don't know if i like that because it's going to be dude he oh, took is, down is danny Gage, well, i know he's going to get the takedowns but it might be one per round and then the whole time no. danny Gage is so well versed on the ground that it might just be a lot of i know it's control he time. he had
0: nine takedowns against dawadu he averages four per fight I know that. I think he takes down Dan Gay over and over. And Dan Gay being good at jiu-jitsu only helps him try to scramble up, and then Mavzar getting another takedown. I don't know. Right. Well, I'm going to spend the $9,400 in DraftKings. Out of I respect for Dan
1: Ige, he's not going to be in my lineup. Dan, I love you.
0: And Mavzar, listen, 108 strikes, I think that's too high. That's definitely a less. I think we have a more less situation on Monkey Knife Fight because I think Dan Ige will get the strikes off, will make things happen. And I think he is very mobile on bottom – so he's going to force Moffsar to scramble more and grapple more. Power bottoms. we really power bottoms. And, and not really have the freedom to to bomb away. So I like the less more on Monkey Knife Fight. So I have no problem splitting it. What do you think? You agree? Okay. Go. Cool. Oh, okay. All right. He's he wrong, crazy. Dude. It's, late, it's past um, my time. And if you want to check out Monkey Knife Fight, go to weonpicks.com slash MKF they will instantly match your deposit. I like the less more here if you want to go ahead and play that. Sign up, guys. Next up at UFC Vegas 56, we have the main event of the evening. We have Alexander Volkov taking on Jarzinho Rosenstrouk. Alexander Volkov 34 and 10. He's 3 and 2 in his last 5. He's coming off a submission loss to Tom Aspinall, Jarzinho Rosenstruck, 12 and three overall, two and three in his last five. He's coming off a canceled fight with Marcin Tybura and a loss to Curtis Blades. Before that, Alexander Volkov is a top 10 heavyweight and he has been for the better part of five years. He's a very good striker. He's a very high IQ fighter who has fast hands and solid volume he picks his shots well and he will adapt in a fight he's not a big power guy but his volume and timing do suit him well enough to get finishes and despite the last minute loss to derrick lewis he does have a good chin and he's a very durable guy jarginho rosenstruck is a very heavy-handed striker he's coming off a one-sided loss to curtis blades but before that he had a nice win over augusto sakai and what was really cool or interesting or nice about that win over augusto sakai is We saw Charzinho pushing the pace. He was the one moving forward because historically Rosenstruck is a counter striker who waits and then he falls behind on the scorecards and he either loses the decision or just lands that big punch and gets it done there. And then the biggest issue with Rosenstruck's style is if He's just so one-dimensional with the striking. If he can't win those exchanges, he doesn't have a backup plan. He's not going to go to his wrestling. He has zero takedowns in the UFC. He does have a solid takedown defense at 75%, but he has been taken down by all the better guys in the division, not even just wrestlers. Gon took him down. Alistair Overeem took him down as well. And it's a very interesting fight because a lot of people are giving up on Volkov, saying he looked terrible in his last few fights and he's on the downside of his career. But I, I just don't see it that way at all. Like, yeah, yes, he lost to Tom Aspinall, but Tom's a killer, and he outgrappled Volkov. Before that, he lost to Curtis Blades. But again, he was outgrappled there. And before that, he lost to Cyril Gahn. But Cyril's movement was insane in that fight. And, and obviously, you know, Cyril was the interim champion for a little bit. So I think Volkov plays a long technical striking game here with Rosenstrook. I think he can win that fight. Frankly, even if Volkov wanted to mix in some takedowns like he did against Stefan Struve or for, and Fabrizio Fabricio Verduum, he'll have some success. So the one and only thing that worries me for Volkov in this matchup is the Derek Lewis loss. He was dominating, literally seconds away, got clipped, and that's ba- honestly Jorgina Rosaschuk almost fights the exact same way. But I'm going Volkov here, man. I trust his fight IQ. I think he's the far better fighter, and I think he's going to avoid the knockout. A lot of you are just trashing, trashing Alexander Volkov, but I love him here. I I, I think he gets it done, and you're shaking your head. You disagree?
1: No, I, I can't believe that people are trashing Volkov. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big I'm a big Volkov guy. The guy will beat in a kickboxing match. He's going to beat 99% of the division. He only loses a kickboxing match to Cyril Gan, who's going to beat. Everyone else pretty much in a kickboxing match, and he mentioned the Derek Lewis fight. I know he got knocked out in that fight, but it actually shows how good he is because he was able to keep the distance for you know for, for two and a half or two. I mean, almost no. He literally three lost
0: seconds left. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and and he just got a little aggressive. You know, I think he was trying to put a stamp on the fight because he dominated that. He was coming to, uh, get forward a little bit too much. I think he learned his lesson in that fight. If you're in a kickboxing match versus Volkov, you, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. And obviously anything can happen. You know, Biggie Boy's got big power, but I cannot believe how many people are so high on Biggie Boy. When I put that poll up for Lock of the Week, who's going to be Lock of the Week, I think Biggie Boy might have been... Number one, honestly, people are so, so high. I know it's kind of, what have you done for me lately? And we saw Volkov, you know, get finished in his last fight. But Biggie Boy's not going to take him down in in, an arm bar or whatever, Volkov. It's going to be a kickboxing distance fight. Volkov is going to be putting the front kicks out there, front kicks out there, coming with the jab, jab, point him to death, avoid the knockout. And he's going to win this fight. I think he wins it pretty handily. When Volkov is on his game in a kickboxing match, when he's able to find his rhythm, you can't touch the guy. You can't. You saw what happened with with Derek. You could, He couldn't touch him. He couldn't touch him. I mean, once he did touch him, I mean, it hurt a little bit. But he couldn't touch him for for almost three entire rounds. So I think it's more of the same in this fight. Volkov is very, very underrated as a fighter. I think it's a Volkov play, 100 all the way. We might, if we're gonna look stupid, I, I I'm happy to look stupid with you, Angelo.
0: Yeah. No, I I agree. This is not a bad. Pick. This is not a bad pick. Like, you know, obviously, Jarzino Rosenstruik has got big power, and anytime you got two heavyweights and one of them's got big power, you go for it. And Monkey Knife, first of all, I think it's probably more and more on the strike line. I think this goes to a decision, and I think they can get past that strike line. If, if, if Volkov's only 33, which is kind of crazy. I was, was going like say one, that as well. Yeah. yeah, he
1: seems like one of those guys that's like, like 38, 39. Okay, he just lost on the tail end. He could be just get going, man. He's just going. No,
0: nope, I completely agree. And listen, Monkey Knife, we talked about the strike line, but this could be a knockout Kings play for Rosenstruck. I think Alexander Volkov wins this fight, but the beauty of Knockout Kings in Monkey Knife Fight is you can pick any three fighters on the entire card. So you don't need to win all of them. You just need one of those three to win by KO or TKO, and then Guys, you'll sign go Sign up for
1: Monkey Knife Fight. And if you'll, nothing else, you'll make some
0: money. For, for,
1: I'm, I'm, this is serious for Knockout Kings because Knockout Kings is so easy you only have to get one of three and i mean you guys are so smart i know everyone in this chat can easily pick one of three people to get a knockout on this card so well it's KO i mean sign or, up and jesus
0: it's ko or tko which is nice because we have a couple dominant wrestlers anyway if you do want to check that out we got the
1: smartest chat on youtube sign up pick somebody pick three people to get you get one and you're winning money that's so easy to sign up monkey knife fight come on guys
0: rent's due tomorrow I paid Jacob, and now look at him. He's thirsty for the cash. Anyway, that's we on slash MKF. The DraftKings line, I, I have to look at what Volkov scores in these decision wins because I think it's a decision win. There's going to be no control time, no real takedowns. It's just going to be strike, 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 a million strikes. I got to see what Volkov scores in that because if he scores well in that, then— you know, in, in similar fights, then I'll have him in my DraftKings lineup, but that's what it'll come down to.
1: He's going to be in mine.
0: Okay, cool. Um, we already mentioned Monkey Knife fight, so that's the breakdown, guys. Thank you so much for checking it out. If you want $50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. You sign up, you make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Any last hey, words, guys. Jake?
1: No, I just want to say to all my single ladies out there, uh, again, uh, my Instagram, Twitter, JT underscore lines, hit me up. Let's get something going. You know, I'm a good guy. Angelo, right? I'm a good guy. right? a little weird at times. I would, yeah, I would say you're a good guy who got a hammer. I mean, <laughs> okay. Anyway, onlyfans.com slash the freckled salamander. Check it
0: out. You honestly should just make one at this point and just have it do like what Chase. You know,
1: Chase Hooper's. Somebody sent me. Um, I don't know if she's in the chat, but she sent me Chase Hooper's uh, OnlyFans the screenshots for him. It's just regular pictures. It's free, so he just does it. I think just to do it, but so it why don't you just should right, do like,
0: that because you keep pushing freckled salamander. The
1: freckled salamander. That would be good. And then every once in a while, throw a little uh, five dollars to unlock this and uh, we'll see who <laughs> signs up. Je- I know exactly. Jester will spend it. It'll be one view, Jester. I appreciate the All right, support, I'll- Jester.
0: Thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you later this week.